This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're talking about chord extensions and alterations. What are they? How can we use them in our comping? And how can we even use them in our soloing to spice up our jazz improv and jazz playing? Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. Won't musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We're talking a little bit of music theory today, right? Because as we, most of us know, I think, music theory can be a really helpful tool for playing and learning jazz. Obviously, we talk a lot about, you know, hearing the sounds of jazz, learning things by ear. But sometimes understanding what's actually going on is super important, and especially when it comes to jazz and when it comes to chords. And ultimately, what are we improvising over when we are playing jazz? We're improvising over chords, and jazz musicians like to add colorful notes on these chords, whether it be in the actual chord voicings, if you're a piano or guitar player, or you are a horn player, like a saxophone or trumpet player, and you can outline these extensions. As long as you're aware of how they work, what they mean, and what chords can use what kinds of extensions and alterations, all right? So we're going to dive into that today. So let's start off with first things first. What are the chords that we commonly play in jazz? I just want to start there on the most basic level to make sure everybody's caught up to speed. Well, there are five qualities of chords that we use, and we use seventh chords as a default in jazz. Not triads. So triads being right, like three note chords, right? Right? So three note chords are very commonly played in pop music and folk music and rock music. But we use what are called seventh chords, right? So that means that they're spelt root, third, fifth, and some kind of seventh, right? And so... That is the structure of the default chords that we use in jazz. So, for example, we might play a major seventh chord, which is the first quality of seventh of seventh chords, right? So, major seventh is root third fifth seventh, right? Straight straight ahead forward like that. Then we have a dominant seventh chord, right? So, a dominant seventh chord. Now, dominant seventh chords are played a lot in pop music as well, so uh, or folk music that happens as well, but definitely in jazz they're used all the time. So that would be root, third, fifth, and then flat seven. That note right there is the flat seven. makes it pop out. Then we have the minor seventh chord, right? Okay, minor seventh is root, three, five, flat seven. So we're just flatting the three in comparison to the dominant seventh chord. Then we have the half diminished chord, also known as the minor seven flat five. So that's going to be root, flat three, flat five, 
flat seven, right? And then finally, we have the fully diminished seventh chord. That's the fifth quality, and that's root, flat three, flat five, double flat seven, right? So those are the five qualities of seventh chords. And so oftentimes, and I hear this get asked in my inner circle membership, when they look at a lead sheet and they see seventh chords, but then they notice that jazz guitarists or jazz pianists or even instrumentalists are outlining different notes other than root three, five, seven, right? They're not just doing that. They're perhaps playing the nine, right? Or they're playing the 13, or maybe they're playing, you know, a flat five. Like, so there's all these different things going on where we have to understand what these extensions and alterations that we can play over top of these different five qualities of seventh chords are if we want to truly understand jazz and how to play color notes and take things to the next level, right? So let's start discussing that. First thing we need to understand is what are extensions and alterations, right? So first of all, we talked about what the chord tones are already. Root, third, fifth, seventh, and then variations of that depending on what quality we're talking about, right? But in the case, for example, of our major scale, right, we have... Right, that's a major scale. And so every other note of that scale, right, is root, third, fifth, seventh, Right, so what are the notes in between, right? So we have the second, we have the fourth, and we have the sixth, right? So there's these notes that are within the scale that we are actually going to use, but in the context of a second octave, right? So if we're going up the, the octave here, that's the ninth. That's the fourth. That's the 13th, right? So an extension is simply notes that you can add on top of the basic chord tones, right? So just a quick example, the ninth would sound like this. And the ninth is a, basically like saying the second note of the scale, but an octave higher, right? Or the 11th is like saying the fourth tone of the scale, but an octave higher. Or the 13th is like saying the sixth tone of the scale, but an octave higher, right? So we call them those because when we're playing extensions, we're not replacing any of the chord tones. You still have to have the root, third, fifth, and the seventh, right? Or depending on of different voicings, maybe you'll exclude some of those, but we're not replacing one for the other. We're simply adding these notes on top of the chord, right? So let's go over what extensions and alterations are possible for each quality of seventh chord. So first, let's talk about the major seventh chord, right? So the first one that we can do is the ninth, right? And so the ninth, that's the ninth on top of the chord there. And then the next one that we can do is the 13th, right? And these are just the basic extensions that we can do. Now, notice that we skipped the 11th because that wouldn't quite work. It would clash with the 
major third, right? So we can't have the 11th on a major seventh chord, right? So that's not one of the extensions we can do. So we can do the ninth and we can do the 13th, okay? Now, there are altered extensions though that we can add. So for example, on the major seventh chord, what we can do instead of using the 11th is we can do a sharp 11th. So a sharp 11th sounds like that, right? And it has a colorful tone to it, right? It has a totally different sound. And so this one really is often used to evoke that sort of emotion, right? It's not necessarily always substituted for a major seventh chord automatically, although it can be, right? Whereas the 13th and the 9th, right, they are just, like, if you looked at a lead sheet and you saw a C major seventh, a jazz musician will look at that and not literally play a major seventh, they'll possibly play the ninth or the 13th in there, right? They'll do some variation of a seventh chord because those are just acceptable extensions, right? And a sharp 11, you can also do that, but usually there's something to it that you want to evoke that emotion or sometimes that's even actually written into a composition is that there is a sharp 11th in the chord, okay? So that is major seventh chords. You can use the ninth, you can use the 13th, and an altered extension you can use is the sharp 11th. Now, not as common, but still worthwhile, I suppose, to mention, is that you can technically put a flat 13 in a major seventh chord, right? But again, I don't see that happening very often. Now, sometimes in more modern jazz, you'll see stuff like that happen, but it's not as normal. So it's something to be aware of that can happen, but it's a pretty dissonant sound and not something generally when we're playing jazz standards is used. Okay, so that's major sevenths. Let's go to dominant sevenths, right? So there's our dominant seventh, and the dominant seventh we know is just used for a lot of different things, right? It's used as five chords. It's used in the blues as a one chord, right? It's used with secondary dominance. And by the way, if you don't understand all these terms, that's okay. Um, these are just harmony and theory terms that I'm throwing around here. The most important thing to know is that the dominant seventh chord is hugely important, not only in all of music, but certainly in jazz, and it functions in many different ways. So, so we obviously already know that it's root, third, fifth, and flat seventh. That's what makes a dominant seventh chord. But again, what extensions can we add on top of the chord? So let's go through those one by one. We can add the ninth. Okay, there's the ninth on top of the chord there. And again, remember, if I'm looking at a chord chart, it's possible that if I see a seventh, I would add a nine. Now, in some cases, that's actually not going to work. For example, if it's a six chord that's going to a two chord, that's actually going to clash because the six chord is often used as a substitute for the one. Again, if that's a lot of crazy music theory, what ends up happening is you try adding a ninth to a six chord leading to a two chord and you go, hey, that doesn't actually sound very good. Right? And you sort of figure that out whether you understand the theory or not. So I don't want you to over obsess over that. But in many cases, you can use the ninth on top of a dominant seventh chord. All right. Now you can also use a 13th. Very common for guitarists and pianists to add a 13th on a dominant seventh chord, right? So, so far the same as the major seventh chord. These are extensions that we can use, right? Now, 
As far as the 11th goes, once again, because there's a major third in the dominant seventh chord, we can't really just play a C7-11. However, you can look at it slightly differently, and you could play, uh, I was sorry, I'm playing in the key of C, that's why I said C7, but you can play a dominant seven, sus four, right? And that's what that sounds like. Really cool sounding chord. Now, this one isn't usually used just by itself. So, for example, let's say I'm doing a 5-1 chord progression. You might play a dominant 7 sus 4, sharp 11. We'll talk about that in a second. Regular dominant 7th to a, you know, major 7th. Or I guess I played a dominant 7th there, right? But, right? You might use it as a passing chord or something like that. Sometimes you could sit on a sus chord like that, right? totally fine like if you're doing a pedal right you're going to the one chord and start the head of the song right so that's a sus four chord right so it's a dominant seven sus four so again that's not an extension it's actually adding the fourth into the chord so suspended chords are kind of their own thing right but that's worthy to mention so here's where things get really interesting, though, with dominant seventh chords. Dominant seventh chords have the most possibilities because you can alter the most amount of notes, right? So let's start with the ninth, right? So we have the ninth here. We can actually play a flat nine, right? So flat nine is going to sound really good to add tension, saying that we're like res resolving to a one chord. So flat nine to one, right? So Jazz musicians are oftentimes, anytime a dominant seventh chord is resolving somewhere, they're often going to add an altered extension on it. So in this case, we can do a flat nine. That's one possibility. Another one we could do is the sharp nine, right? Right? So, and you might, for example, if we're doing the same thing, like a five to a, a one chord, you might go sharp nine, flat nine right? Because that's good voice leading. We're creating a melody with our chords here. But if you're not a chordal player, right? You're a saxophone player. Right? Right? So just even being aware of what those are, you can add those into your actual lines. So we can play the sharp nine as well, right? Another one we can do is the flat 13, right? That's the flat 13 right there. Right? Sounds pretty good. And we can also do the sharp 11. Now, the sharp 11 is one that usually, once again, kind of has to be... Usually don't just go like 5-1 with a sharp 11 to a 1. But you can, right? It works. Like, in this case, I voice-led it pretty nicely with a C7 sharp 11 to an F major 9, and so that still sounded good, but sometimes you might go... Right? So that was a C7 sharp 11, C dominant 7, C7... Uh, sorry, C flat 13, C7 flat 13, and then finally a 1 chord, an F major 7, right? So you can use these altered extensions, of course, to create tension and resolution, right? So if you are keeping track here... We can play altered extensions, extensions flat 9, sharp 9, sharp 11, 
flat 13. Like those are the options that we have. So that's what makes dominant seventh chords so interesting is there's just so many different things we can actually do to them. Okay, so now let's move on to minor seventh chords, right? All right, so here's our C minor seventh chord. And, you know, again, once again, when jazz musicians are looking at a chord chart and they see a minor seventh chord, it really does depend on the context that we're looking at of what kind of extension or alteration they may use. But they're 100% taking liberties to add the acceptable extensions to these chords. So we'll start once again with the most basic one. So we already have the root flat three, five, flat seven. That's the basic structure, but we can add a ninth on top of that. And this is, you know, very common to add a ninth on top of a minor seventh chord, right? And it's a beautiful sounding chord, right? Right. And so if you're a piano guitar player, like work out some different voicings, a different way to play these, these, you know, cause they sound a little different depending on where you're playing it on your instrument. So we can play the ninth. We can also play the 11th. So this is kind of the first time we're seeing this as a possibility here, right? So that's an 11th or here's another voicing. Right, this is a really nice, I, I really like this is in modal settings, right? Like landing on an 11th, um, it just has a nice moody sound to it. So this is always a good option. And then we can also play a 13th. So this is a, a minor 13th right here, right? So. really nice sounds right this happens a lot by the way in like for example in the miles davis recording um, of autumn leaves now similarly though like let's actually talk for a second not about extensions but just other things you can do to a minor seventh chord because actually when it comes to altered extensions there's actually not much you can do right you can't really play uh, a sharp 11th on it um, you can't play a flat 13 um, you can't play a sharp nine or flat nine. So those don't really work over top of minor seventh chords, right? They clash. But what you can also do once again is instead of using extensions, use substitutions of actual chord tones. So for example, and by the way, I, sh I should have mentioned this on the, the major seventh as well. You could play a minor six chord, right? So... That's a minor six chord. Now you might ask, well, Brent, you mentioned earlier that the sixth is the same note as the 13th. The 13th is just an octave higher. So what's the difference between a minor sixth chord and a 13th chord? Well, in the case of a minor sixth chord, you are substituting the six for the flat seven. So remember, root flat three, five, flat seven is a minor seventh chord, right? But in the case of a sixth chord, that means you are now substituting that six for the flat seven. So there's no flat seven in a sixth chord, right? But that is something that you can absolutely do, a type of minor chord that you can play. Whereas a 13th, absolutely, right? That's the flat seventh. And that's the 13th. The seventh is within the chord still. The 13th is just on top of the chord. So it's important to make that distinction. Another nice colorful chord that you can do with minor sevenths is this one. Right? That's the major seven, the minor major seventh chord. Minor major seventh chord. 
And essentially what that just means is we're playing a minor seventh chord, but we're instead substituting the flat seven for a major seven instead, right? So we have the flat, uh, so we have the root, we have the flat three, right? We have the fifth, but instead of the flat seven, we're playing a major seven. And so if you're a horn player, if you're um, saxophone, trumpet, whatever, absolutely if you see a one chord that is a minor chord for example you absolutely can target that major seventh even though that doesn't seem to make sense right at first right you see i was doing that so that's the major seventh Right, so it's a really nice, enchanting, haunting kind of a sound. And so you absolutely can superimpose that on top, right? So once again, we're just substituting the flat seven for a major seven. So while there aren't altered extensions on that chord, there are substitutions within the actual chord structure that we can do for those chords. Okay, so that's minor seventh chords. All right, now when we get to the last two, that's where things kind of get a little bit easier because honestly, at the end of the day, let's talk about half diminished chords. We talked about minor seven flat five chords. There's actually not really different extensions and alterations that are often really used, right? It's really actually just, just a minor seven flat five. It's that flat five, it's already in there. And Oftentimes, really, these chords are just functioning as minor two chords, right? And they're functioning as six chords in, in jazz harmony, right? Half diminished chords are, right? So there's not a lot we can do with that. So we actually don't have to worry too much about that. But if you're a guitar player or a piano player, you'll want to be able to play all the different inversions of half diminished chords. You want to be able to, you know, try to play different things. How can we connect them a little bit differently from one another? So keep all those things uh, in mind with half diminished chords. Okay, so then we get to fully diminished chords. And once again, there's not really any extensions and alterations that are common or worthwhile doing, right? So we have like literally, if you think about the chord itself, it's kind of altered already. It's like a one flat, flat, flat three, flat five, double flat seven, right? So it's a pretty, it's a pretty angsty chord, right? It's a lot of tension, right? Diminished chords never are really hanging out by themselves. You never resolve to a diminished seventh chord. They're always like, like doing something like that. That's the diminished one. To the major one. I love I love that. This happens a lot sometimes and especially in older recordings of jazz standards. I love that. So not a lot you can do there. It's just important to understand, like for example, as a horn player or as a guitar or piano player, that you know, if you move this chord up, the fully diminished seventh chord, in minor thirds, it's actually just the inversions of itself, right? Um, so that's important to remember. Uh, that's, it's, it's a very symmetrical chord. So you can do a lot with diminished chords. And we're not going to go over diminished theory and diminished harmony today, but there's a lot of things that diminished chords can do for you if you utilize them properly or think about them in the right way. Okay, so those are the five qualities of seventh chords, the alterations and the extensions that you can use, as well as we threw in some um, different chord 
uh, all substitutions, right, for the actual chord tones. So it's good just to be aware of those. And no matter what instrument you play, just spend some time exploring those and making sure you know what they are, making sure you know what they sound like, knowing where they, how they feel on your instrument, right? All these things are going to be really helpful. And the thing that you can take away from today's episode is the whatever jazz standard you happen to be working on right now, go through the chords very slowly and look to see like, oh, hey, we have a dominant six chord resolving to a one chord. Can I outline the sharp nine or the flat 13 or the flat nine here in this chord? Can I can I outline those and figure out how to resolve it to the two chord? Because again, that's when we start getting that jazz sound to start coming out. The thing that jazz musicians are doing that pop rock folk musicians are not doing right. And not that there's anything wrong with their doing. It's just that they're not creating those sounds. Like this is what makes jazz is this um, huge palette of sounds that we have to work with. Um, And in some ways, it makes it very creative and fun. In other ways, there's a lot of options. So just starting to be aware of that is super important. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do really appreciate you. Hope you take action on today's episode. By the way, if you need help taking action on improving as a jazz musician, a tool to help make everything feel easier, a tool to help you feel encouraged and motivated at every step in your journey, then I hope you'll check out our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership. That's where we learn one new jazz standard every single month. We also have plenty of courses to help fill in the gaps in your musical knowledge. We even have instrument accelerator courses for the top five instruments in our membership. That's guitar, piano, bass, saxophone, and trumpet. Uh, But we have musicians playing all sorts of instruments, flutes, harmonica, you name it, we've got it in the inner circle. And it's an incredibly supportive, fun environment to learn jazz in. So check it out at ljsinnercircle.com or just check out the link in the show notes today where you can uh, just so go learn more about it right there. So check it out. And of course, we're coming out with another great podcast episode next week. So make sure you're you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. And we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.